Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. It is way easier to be wrong, very wrong about Moritz Sider. Um, and we were. When the player we were clamoring for is Trevor Zegris. And inversely, it is way easier to have seen Trevor Zegris fall past Detroit, considering what he's doing now, when the player Detroit got was more at Cider, and then they got their own elite winger in the next draft. So all things considered, I think that's a pretty big step up for this podcast, because usually when we're wrong, we're just wrong. But now it's like, hey, this is kind of the golden scenario. The golden scenario would have been Detroit trading for Anaheim's pick at the last second, but, you know, can't have everything. What world do you live in where that happens? Let me have it, man. The NHL, the most notable possible draft trade in the NHL is when teams are like, we'll give you all of our picks this year for your first overall. And the team's always like, no. (laughs) (laughs) No. But, hey, it's – it is – it takes the edge off. Like watching Trevor Zegers right now is fun for me. I have no problems at all seeing him do what he's doing. Personally, I think all the teams that drafted, I think the teams that drafted seventh and eighth behind Detroit are the ones who should feel bad. Someone put into my timeline the thought that we were literally one pick away from seeing a line that could have potentially been Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and Trevor Zegers. Uh Actually, Prashanth put that. It's way too much confidence in Edmonton. Oh no, they <laughs> they took too they much. took Philip Broberg instead. They could have taken Zegers. They passed on him. Oh well, then I was right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Edmonton Edmonton that up. Um, that was Ken Holland's first draft as Oilers GM. Sorry, the it was Dylan Cousins. Yeah, it was Dylan Cousins and then Broberg. It was Buffalo and, took Cousins and yep. Edmonton took Broberg. And hey. Look, it, it's not like, you know, those guys are awash and they're not, there's nothing ever to be seen about them. <laughs> it's got to be tough to be sandwiched by Cider and Zegris on that front. Yeah. That that draft is panning out very interesting because right now, um, third overall is getting sewered by his own fan base. Fifth overall has fallen down uh, many rankings. The, the big reach at six is in consideration for a top three in a redraft. Seven and eight are are fine, but uh, oops. And then there's Seagrass all the way down at nine. And then Bowen Byram, you have to feel bad for the injuries. Oh, I know. Yeah. Because he's so good when he plays. <clears throat> yeah. So good. He'd be in the conversation with Mercer and and Zegris for guys who are pushing in on, on Raymond Insider from, oh, yeah. for that Calder conversation. Sure. Uh, welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here not only to talk about our mistakes, but everything else to do with Red Wings hockey, the hockey world. Uh, Evan's disposition and anything related. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. Um, on this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, we're going to be talking about the Detroit Red Wings' very boring loss against the Natural Predators. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Moritz Sider's <laughs> unshaking ability to scare the absolute hell out of us one night and then just skate and practice the next day. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the playoff hopes for the red wings i know we mentioned it in episodes previous but go a little bit into more detail as to what that might look like we'll talk about the olympics and uh, just whatever else comes up before we do all that i want to tell everyone about the jamie daniels foundation i know we had some new uh listeners recently who 
asked me about uh, how this all started and and they want to know more because the last few uh, Jamie Daniels pieces have just been about um, the uh, the celebrity roast airing, which Sportsnet aired it on Tuesday, and they're going to air it again on Saturday, by the way. But the Jamie Daniels Foundation is a children's foundation initiative, and it was established in memory of Jamie Daniels and founded by Jamie's father and Red Wings lead announcer Ken Daniels and Jamie's mother, Lisa Daniels-Goldman. They strive to end the stigma of substance use disorder and provide support to those struggling with the disease or who are in recovery. To learn more and offer your support, visit jamiedanielsfoundation.org. Okay. Um, The Detroit Red Wings against the Nashville Predators was a game that was pretty indicative of how flat their offense gets when you remove an integral piece like Tyler Bertuzzi, in my mind. I think a lot of how the team played, it doesn't all centered around the fact that Bertuzzi wasn't in, but the team did seem uninspired and out of sorts. So I think actually the highlight of it was Michael Rasmussen scored and finished a goal off a very, very nice backhand feed from Adam Ernie. Um, and Rasmussen finished it as intended. He aimed the puck, and it went where he wanted it to go, and the puck went in. See, this is why I know my brain's broken. I'm just a cynical asshole by nature. Because you really break down that. I don't think that's where he was aiming. He, I think he it towed was. it. He towed it. Not to say that had he got all of it, he wouldn't have caught the goalie over sliding. It still very much could have went in, but he definitely towed that. <laughs> he did. <laughs> but as someone who only scored goals in his career, more or less, that looked like that, <laughs> I have an appreciation for for Rasmussen just doing the right thing there. Yeah, you get a chance and you get it on net. As long as it goes in, that's that's all that matters because you know you have to be in position and get the chance, which is why chances matter. So the fact he finally got a lucky, like he's missed a couple, em- more than a few empty nets this year. So the fact that he got one like that to go in, that's just karma balancing out. Yeah. I don't think there wasn't a lot to be said, honestly, for the Red Wings that game that was of inspiration. Zidina is down on the third, fourth line, whatever. Um, no one looked phenomenal, but I think he was one of their better players. So you're just like, why isn't he getting a chance on the top line? That's something that I would like to see happen. I know we've talked about this in previous episodes, but especially right now, if Bertuzzi's out and that's how the game's going to go, why not stick him up there? Again, we don't know everything else that's going on. Like if this is a practice thing. If this is like genuinely, those are the line mates that they believe would suit him best thing. At some point, you kind of have to experiment with, with flipping him up. Because if you're just going to wait for Jacob Vrana to come back, then that's a long time to wait. Yeah, I can't possibly bring myself to have the why isn't Zadina higher in the lineup conversation again. I just, I can't, I can't. The eye test and every, he's good. Give good players good chances. End of story. Joe Valeno is back in the lineup. Nice to see him return. Kind of. Yeah. Didn't really, didn't really do anything. No. <laughs> he, didn't get, he didn't get a lot of minutes. He was for, actually, I think he played most with Philip Zadina, just to kind of give you an idea. Mm. So there's that. Um, really, the highlight of the game was that hit that Cider took, and he left. Uh, it was in the third period, and he left the ice looking pretty shaken. Yeah. At first glance, that hit to me looked, I was like, uh, it kind of just looked like Cider didn't protect himself. And he didn't brace and his head whipped against the glass pretty hard. You, we didn't get enough angles of it from ESPN. Um, but from what I could see, I think that shoulder went through the jaw first, right? 
look like it. It was a little closer, a little more of a judgment call than another hit that night. Um, but the Juju Kyra hit. Yeah. Yeah. We watched that before. That was. I saw a man's soul leave his body. That was bad. That was. That was bad on a lot of fronts. That was bad on Seth Jones. That was a terrible pass from Seth. Bad Jones. on Kara to not understand that. Hey, don't look for the puck in your feet in that spot. And that was the worst on Truba for. Hey, you could have absolutely sent this guy to the moon through his chest, but you decided to hit him square in the face. So it's it, at least Satters wasn't the most devastating hit that night. Let's talk about the Jujar Kyra hit because I, I think you're right. I, and I said this to Evan actually before we hit record. You can hit that guy. Like if if you should hit that guy, if someone's gonna put himself in that position where he's just gonna be staring at his feet, you know, this is the show. This is the NHL. You don't make it here by not you know putting those guys on their ass. And here's who's not to say that Kyra might might have gotten hurt. You know, if it was a clean hit, whatever. That's that's not something that actually happens. So we won't discuss it that way. But Truba's a you know a big guy. And he has to know that when someone is in that position, the onus is on you to hit him through the shoulder or the chest. And he didn't. The primary point of contact was the head. Kyra, I think Cairo was out cold before his head hit the ice. And then his oh, head definitely was. And then his head hit I mean, the ice. As soon as there was contact, I think that's yeah. the case. Oh, yeah. It was shoulder, like right to the mouth slash jaw region. And then the snap back from that. Oh, he was he was out before he hit the ice, which is the only reassuring thing is he didn't feel it when the back of his head hit the ice because uh, that I, was also horrifying you know he spent the night in the hospital so i don't think he feels yeah. great but yeah it was ugly <sighs> truba should know better i don't i do not blame chicago for going absolutely nuts after that hit it was that the the image of him just like motionless on the ice was like i was like oh wow this like a gut punch. Not interested in seeing that at all. As soon as I saw the hit, I, I knew exactly what the Twitter discourse was going to be. Oh, God. and it's just—I mean, so it could stupid. be little, any sort of hit, big hit where there's an injury. It's always the same people on one side of the fence and the other people well, on no. the other, and they just go at it. No, this this <laughs> is—it wasn't even that. This is the stupid one to me because if someone wants to have an argument about the legality of that hit. I will have that argument because I, if you interpret the rule book, you can definitely make a case that was a legal hit. He was facing him, didn't get the elbow up, yada, yada, yada. I, knew, I do know the NHL has kind of um, a headshot rule, but that's more referee's judgment than a, than a hard and fast rule. Fine. I can have that debate. Clean versus dirty debate? Sure, you can have that one. It can be legal, but also dirty at the same time which is probably what this falls under. The thing that actually pisses me off the most, and I have absolutely no time for this level of stupidity, is the people are like, he drove through the chest. Man, we're watching the same video. <laughs> There's video evidence. We're, we're literally watching this frame by frame. I can have science definitively tell you the first point of contact was Truba's shoulder to Kara's face. I don't care where the, oh, but he followed through. In the chest after he snapped his head back, like, oh my God, just this is a dirty hit that should be out of hockey. I don't care about legalities or not. Truba should have hit him in the chest. But if you want to come at me and be like, here's why this is a legal play, and I agree that there's no penalty, very 
acceptable debate and I'm willing to have that conversation. If you say he hit him in the chest, not the head, I you're just proving to me that you have you don't have eyes. The 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 brazen just confident gaslighting <laughs> into a, in Twitter discourse. I, I can't. I read it. and I'm just like, ah, so this is why I just scroll past. I can't anymore. Like there's a video. You're right. It's it's there. We saw the hit. <laughs> like and literally people put it in ultra slow motion. <laughs> <laughs> we have like half frames at this point. Yeah. That's how good the technology is. <laughs> it's not even a video. Doctor Strange just recreated the moment and is projecting it into our in our into our brains. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Yeah, no, he got hit in the chest and that's definitely why he was unconscious as he was falling to the edge. Like, come on. I mean, if there was anyone who I would maybe would have think would be unconscious before their head hit the ice, it would be him because we've seen too many concussions. how many really bad replays of him just being googly eyed or knocked out it's bad that's oh. i you don't you i can don't think wanna... of two from last year that i'm like this guy should probably reevaluate this yeah it's hard because you don't you never want to advocate for someone to retire right like this is what they've lived their lives for but at some point and we've seen it with nhlers like you, you got to get into you're going to get into the territory of like hey the next one might be the last one Right? Like, you you got to be careful with this. Ah, it was hard to see. It was really, really hard to watch. Yeah. And on the, on the same soapbox, if you see a guy suffer a potential career-ending injury that way, and your first thought is, I got to run to Twitter to defend the hit, reevaluate your mindset in life, please. You, again, there's a time and a place for that conversation because, you know, rules might be changed. Ref- punishments might need to be issued. So, yeah, there's a debate to be had there. The second after, the minute out is not the time. <laughs> that's the internet, man. That's I, that's how you oh. establish your map control of the of the event. You have to be the first one out there. Yeah, conquest. You need to put yourself in. The, you need to feel like you've won something for this thing, this parasocial thing that does not affect you it's at all. It's easier to defend than attack. Jujar Karas <laughs> hasn't regained consciousness yet, and like oh, that was a great hit. Keep your head up. I hate it. I, th- I those mean, are the- yes, he should keep his yes, head up. Yes, he is. I'm not completely absolving Kara here. Again, even my stupid hockey mind knows if I get a puck in my feet at the neutral zone, turn. Get the hell out of there. Like, live to fight another I'm day. I'm doing the happy feet dance, and if I don't feel a puck, I'm just turning yeah, around. Exactly. Yeah. And if I somehow find the puck, that is, I am going back to my defenseman. Like, I am not going up ice at that point. But... Just because Kara made an incredibly careless play here, the onus is still on Truba to not hit him in the head. I cannot be clear enough. Truba in that position with what Kara did. And and so just so people yell, oh, Brad's getting soft. Because <laughs> I know it's coming. Because I know it's coming. This guy's soft, man. Yeah, Brad knows soft. his audience. That's for sure. I, I know. I know what's, what's happening next on Twitter. Truba's play there should be to absolutely not Kara into the seventh row. Just bend your knees a little more, tuck a little more and hit him in the chest. Oh, that is all I'm asking. Let's, let's put him on his ass. Let's not end his career. Brad's awake. I totally don't think Truba aimed for his head. I, I truly do think he just tried to uh, like uh, literally erase him. I think it was careless, not malicious. Yeah, for sure. Like he was just going full tilt and he's like, I am separating this guy from the puck that he barely has control of. Um, 
And then we have the benefit of replay of watching it in half frame speed, whereas he's doing it in a blink of an eye. Yeah. So, I, you know, if he gets suspended, whatever. Um, I don't think his intention was, I'm going to just yeah. dump this guy, everything I can into this guy's head. And I think it just one of those things that happens so fast and it just happens. That's It's a bad analogy, but... A defenseman seeing a forward in that position is like a kid in a candy store. That's the moment oh, they've been yeah. waiting for their entire careers. Yeah, I love that. So, I mean, Cronwell, like the best hitters of all time, can see that play developing 10 seconds in advance, and you can already see them coming. Yeah. Well, like, not the forwards who get hit, but everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And again, I think, Ryan, you had the best one. It was careless, not malicious. Because again, I would advocate, true, but if that scenario plays out exactly as it is again, Hit him. Do the same thing. Just aim better. Yeah, like he didn't leave his feet, like which probably made the hit even more violent. Yeah, he hit down, really. He dropped. Yeah, so like he didn't jump. He didn't. His elbows weren't up high. He literally just ended up making contact with his head. And yeah, that it is what it is. So like if he has to take a suspension, then I think that's fine. But I don't think it was... I, I don't know. It's like I'm, dirty hits, like this, like strange category of like accidental massive hits and like a Mark Savard getting hit kind of thing. I don't even know if there is a case for him to be suspended the oh, way the I rule books written. It's a headshot. And like I said, it's open to interpretation. The NHL needs to fix the wording in that rule. Don't get me wrong. But if he walks away with no suspension, I'm not super upset about it because, yeah. again, we've we see headshots in every game. They're just not that. Uh, ferocious yeah great word um so if he gets suspended i'm okay with it because it was a very dirty hit but if he doesn't i there's precedence for it so was he what was the penalty he didn't get one yeah i in my mind you got to give him a game there yeah yeah there he should have got something on the play if not just to cool the situation down but yeah give him a charge or something I, I don't know if his feet were really moving i didn't see that yeah far back of the replay but even if even if roughing it, yeah even if it wasn't charging give him charging just because like i said it'll probably take the edge off a little bit for the uh hawks rather than getting them all amped up because now they're pissed about the hit and pissed about the non-call yeah um you know it, it sucks crappy situation but yeah anyways we're happy to see that he was he was discharged from the hospital and it looks like he should like you know, he's not in a good place right now, but he's, it's nothing is seriously, seriously wrong. And that was good news. So, um, hope he has a recovery and he, you know, takes his time and really evaluates. Um, I, I do want to give some time to the cider hit though. That's one where it, I think it's fun to just kind of, cause the Red Wings have taken so many shitty hits this year that have just not been penalized nor referred to player safety. So I will rail on player safety endlessly until I see some modicum of consistency or honesty here. Um, but that one, I can understand how it was missed because I think, uh, what was the guy's name again? F- faceless player in white. I, c- I could not tell you. He, he drove up through cider and from what I could tell, he did make contact with his like jaw or head. Cider does need to brace there. Um, he's a big guy, and I think just that's something that will come with experience and time. That it's always a thing with young players, which is weird because Cider is usually pretty effective with the reverse hit. That's, he is. that's usually one of his strengths. So, he is. Yeah, he, it, was he, it was odd to see, but at the same time, like if 
I think the reason, and I didn't catch it at first, I think the reason his head hit the glass so hard was because there was contact to his his head and or jaw. Those are the same thing. Um, which was scary. He looked seriously woozy going off the ice. Anyways, he skated in practice today. So Yeah, what's the thing with Alex Ovechkin? Uh, Russian machine never break. I guess with Cider at this point, it's German machine almost break. Yeah. Because <laughs> he seems to, it's like, oh no, I'm just kidding. He's fine. There's just so much of them, right? Like, you're bound to hit something at any game. Janot, Janot, anyways. Tanner, Tanner Janot. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I'm happy that um, they went after, the Preds after, but just happiest that Cider's okay. Uh, the Red Wings moving forward have, again, a couple more games here without Tyler Bertuzzi, both on the road. So Thursday night, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern against St. Louis. Friday night, ten or 9 p.m. Eastern against Colorado. Neither of those going to be easy games. Um, no. And it's going to be a back-to-back. And the Red Wings off- offense can't be this anemic. The defense is the defense. I don't think the defense is equipped to have games like the offense is having this year. And that's not a surprise. So, you know, we'll still call out when there's a bad defensive game, but when you don't have the personnel, you're just not going to get very many good ones. But the offense seriously does need to do better. That's that's the next big test, right, for for Blaschel and these Red Wings. It's like, yeah, Bertuzzi's out, but you still have Dylan Larkin. You still have Lucas Raymond. You still have Robbie Fabry. You still have all these guys who are good or either good to elite. So you need to find some configuration where they can turn the game on and give the other team a little scare at the very least. This is where your depth gets exposed. When you have exactly six top six forwards, not counting Verona right now, when you lose one of them, the cascading effect is very noticeable. Jacob Verona coming back is going to make such a big difference. Oh, yeah. If Verona is, let's say Verona's injury was a couple months. So Raymond still gets into the lineup and he plays through all of November. And then as of December 1st, Verona's back. I think the playoffs conversation that we're about to have is wildly different. Oh, yeah. You know, let's assume Verona's going to need a few games or a couple of weeks even for rust. That's going to be, it's still quite a bit of time and quite a few games where he could play and just make that massive difference. Bertuzzi out, Verona in on the top line. What's the difference? You could almost argue it's an upgrade. <laughs> yeah, depending on Lately. how Verona plays. Yeah. Yeah. You can, then you can reunite the Guelph connection on the second line. Like, yeah, there's just so much you can do at forward. And I to be that annoying guy gives Eisman breathing room. He, you don't cripple the team at the trade deadline by moving a Fabry or moving someone of significance on the offense because you know Veron is there to kind of fill out that top end. That'll be such a big difference for him when he comes back. There's a lot. There, there are always a lot of questions like, what's his recovery looking like? What's his recovery looking like? It was surgery. When they said four months, it's like, it's shoulder and Brad, you know full well what that's like. Still clicks when I raise my arm. Yeah. <laughs> you don't you don't generally rush that. You don't rush recovery from any surgery. Um but it's not this isn't the kind of sport where you can come back and come back early from a s- shoulder surgery. Like you can sometimes mask injuries in other sports. Like I know in football they'll wear like the club on their hand for broken <laughs> finger. <laughs> like or like even in hockey, like I've taped my fingers before. It hurts, but you can play through it depending on, you know, what the body part is. Yeah, you you can't play with a shoulder recovering from surgery earlier than you really thought. They'll know that you're back early and the other team will hit you exactly once before you leave the ice. So, what was it, four months from October? 
October, November, December, January. So late Jan, early Feb is when we're looking at. Right before the trade deadline. How convenient. Yeah. Nice and easy. So that's that's the Verona news there. Um, anything else of note? I know Fabric converted on the power play uh, from Pew Suter. Brad keeps doing that. He keeps yawning into his sweater. And on YouTube, they're like, is Brad smelling his body odor when he does that? It can be both. It can be both. It's definitely both. <laughs> You were at your daughter's hockey game. Why are you sweating? Not sweating. Oh, I was joking because you said it's definitely both like body odor. Oh, no, I smell great. Oh, you're smelling yourself because you think you smell good? Everybody loves their own brand. No. <laughs> Sometimes weird. I don't. No. <laughs> Those are bad days. I'm still reeling from Brad's Kim Kardashian comment last episode. I can't deal with more weird this episode. I you know um, like who we are, right? I try not to. <laughs> I can thank you for a very good laugh with you tagging me in the Bruce Bru- Bru- Boudreaux. <laughs> the video Bruce. of him standing up. I laughed for like two straight minutes. And Catherine was like, what the hell is wrong with you? I That could not be any more how I feel. Almost every single time I stand up. Bruce Boudreaux, the just grown-ass himbo, gets hired to coach the Vancouver Canucks. First ever press conference. Parents with kids. Apologies. There's an F-bomb coming. First ever press conference is like getting up from it. And it's just like a bunch of dad noises. Oh, fuck. (laughs) It was amazing. It was amazing. Ah, good old Boosie. Uh, Actually, with with Evan's vocabulary, too, if there's not a Patreon name next episode that is uh, Boos Wierenski, you're all failing. <laughs> I'm <laughs> sure there already is. <laughs> Rowan's already on it. He has a picture of Evan from the Winged Wheel podcast night at the LCA eating, like making a big old dumb face. We're just with the caption, Boos. Boos. Boos Boudreaux. Honestly... <laughs> I, I don't know if I like Boos or Rowenski better. I can't say either, so it doesn't <laughs> matter. <laughs> NHL teams only uh, pick or sign players who could be in a tongue twister. Please, it's very funny for us. So my, what's got me really excited with the Red Wings potentially picking in the middle of the first round this year is that's right around where Rutger McGrory is uh, projected. <laughs> Rick McGrath. I'll McGregor. be saying neither McGordy. of those names. <laughs> Mick Gordy. <laughs> oh, boy. Our McGoat. Um, more Red Wings news. Lucas Raymond, um, Team Sweden has actually applied for a an exception to add Lucas Raymond to the um, the list of potential players to go play in the Olympics in China. Um, and it looks unlikely that he's going to get that exception it's nothing's confirmed yet so you never know sweden very clearly wasn't expecting raymond to be such a phenom um so from a hockey fan's perspective shitty because you'd love to go see raymond rep sweden obviously he's gonna want to do that every single olympics from here on out for the next couple decades i think is going to be in question as to whether the nhl players are going to play um so crummy from a Red Wings fan perspective keeps him fresh for an 82 game season. Um, keeps him out of a three week quarantine in China. Yeah, no thanks. Sounds awful. Let's chat about that. The Red Wings have until January 10th, is it? Or it's around then. Yeah, January 10th to opt out of the Olympics without any penalties. Um, 
at this point, we know at around that time of year, there are probably going to be a shit ton of breakthrough cases, which, you know, is always to be expected. Um, which is one thing here. You miss a couple games, you miss a couple practices, whatever. You're not losing any money unless you're Tyler Bertuzzi. Like, literally, the, the rules are written where you're vaccinated, the NHL is not going to fine you while you're on the COVID list. So that's not of concern to the players. It is what it is. In China, if they have a positive test and they're wi- if the NHL goes, ends up going, there will be players who get a positive test. They are quarantining there for three weeks. So what happens if they they play through the whole tournament, they're fine, they're fine, they're fine, and at the very end, they test positive when everyone else is going back. And for three weeks, while the NHL is back in action, you're missing three important weeks, and you play for a team that is fighting for a playoff spot. Not a lot of there's not a lot of runway left after the Olympics before the playoff race is decided. Maybe they should have figured this out before agreeing to this. Well, the why, CBA is that's why they have the opt out. Yeah, I, I think they do have that kind of trap door there. Owners don't want to go anyway. No, no. So this is just another. I'm usually pretty like I understand the owner's argument like players get injured like think of John Tavares or was it Tavares that got seriously hurt Tavares and Zetterberg right yeah and you know the owners all of a sudden that's that's a financial hit to the team not just like you're paying for a player that's not playing butts and seats merch sales whatever I get that from a fan's perspective I don't give a shit do whatever you need to do this is the ultimate international hockey competition during this during the pandemic is a different story to me i I think the three weeks there changes things quite a bit i'm still i i still hope they find a way where nhl players can go but it's trending in a way where i i don't know is it a coin flip now i don't see really what the why they need to quarantine for three weeks these are like billion dollar i'll call each team an organization they're billion dollar organizations who can basically quarantine their players themselves through private jets, whatever, and then do it all on their own side. Like they have the money and the logistical ability to handle the quarantine themselves and do the testing in their own manner. Yeah. So why would they ever want to agree to a three week quarantine remaining in a foreign country? I get it. Like, China is not going to <laughs> diplomatic relations with China are tenuous at the very least. Um, and so they are not going to break from policy because of the national hockey league who is going to go over and pummel the absolute living hell out of the Chinese team, which is being allowed to play in the Olympics, which is going to be tragic thoughts and prayers. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, they're, they're not going to change that policy because of the NHL. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's stupid, but you have private jets to figure it. The NHL players already live in a bubble. Their whole life is a bubble. <laughs> well, less so this year. They're allowed to do a lot more this year. No, I, I know what Evan was getting at there, and that's the most accurate thing he's ever said on this podcast. So, like, <laughs> it's, just, it's just ridiculous. It's not like they're flying coach for however many hours it takes to get back into North America from China. Like... Well, I, I think the three weeks, that's that's completely out of the NHL and the IOC's control, though. That's literally China, the country's yeah. rule. Yeah. Well, then don't go. Yeah. Players can opt out. Robin Leonard already has. I don't blame him. Very fair. Robin Leonard said, like, my mental health could not take me having to quarantine for three weeks in China. 
That is a no great decision shit. from him. <laughs> like that is a very good pragmatic decision for him and his health. That like good Bear for him. Grylls is already drinking his own urine thinking about that. <laughs> oh God. This What's the be- reference there? Oh, that's like one of the greatest internet memes of all time. Well, I, I get you can't be too young. No, no, I know Bear Grylls and I know that whole thing, but okay. I just don't know why. He's just like obsessed with drinking his own urine for some reason. Uh, I, uh, yeah, it is. On a TV show, he'll do it. Like you're not like in danger. Like why would you need to do this? <laughs> I like the Bear Grylls ones where he like will leap over this like big chasm between two pieces of land, and they pan, and it's actually like a three inch crack, and there's a highway <laughs> behind him. <laughs> He's already drinking like rattlesnake piss or something. Yeah. Just seemed like a non sequitur to me. So, I don't know where, how do we segue out of this? This is my my fault. uh, You shouldn't (laughs) go. I can't believe, I can't believe I'm even entertaining the thought of of agreeing with that, but I'm almost like if this gets much worse and things aren't trending in the right direction, maybe they shouldn't. I want a full NHL season more than anything. But now that there's a, the Red Wings could be playing meaningful hockey after it. Yeah. Yeah, I if it's one okay, it's this is shitty to say it this way because you're talking about people. Like they're not just hockey players or assets, they're people. If it's one or two guys in the end, that'll suck. That'll be a problem. The NHL is gonna beat the NHLPA with that over the head over the next in the next CBA negotiation, sure, but I'm kind of okay with it. If we're talking like 10, 11 guys are stuck over there for three weeks. That's a nightmare. That's a nightmare. That is a terrible, that is a catastrophe for the NHL. And that will ruin the opportunity to go to any Olympics in the future. Guaranteed. This is definitely the worst Olympics to have to like rebuild that path to always going to the Olympics. Yeah. Oh God. Why can't, why couldn't they do it in like Salt Lake city again? (laughs) Yeah. What's what's the most remote island in the world that has a hockey arena? That's where they should have done it. Somewhere in Alaska, maybe. Uh, no. Mystery Alaska, twenty twenty two. I hate to tell you, but um, Canada borders Alaska. Unfortunately, not an island. Well, I'm sure they have like islands. They have. Oh, islands. I totally disregarded the island yeah. part. I was just thinking of where somewhere potentially remote with the infrastructure. <laughs> NHL flies to small uh, community, destroys them. In their public health or in their healthcare system with multiple Red COVID alert cases. Canada. Yeah. Then again, if they had it in Alaska, there'd be their own problems. Connor McDavid delayed getting back to Edmonton because that darn moose won't get off the runway. <laughs> polar bear. Someone accidentally locked their car so they couldn't escape the polar bear. <laughs> oh, God. Um, okay. Actually, you know what? Oddly enough, Ken Holland signed him. That polar bear is now the second pairing D for the Oilers. He came back with Connor. I actually, I, he, he's really good. He's solid. He doesn't skate very well, but he's ferocious. <laughs> what is the um, NHL opt-out clause for the Olympics? Is it literally just like an all, like, is it a vote or is it just like, yeah, we're not going? Uh, I don't know. But they, they never re- release that much with the internal mechanics of it. I'm sure there has to be some consultation with the PA, but they have until January 10th to do it um, penalty free. They could still decide not to go after that, but then they will owe the Olympics, oh, the IOC money. That. Yeah, no. Can't lose those dollars. So what do you guys think percentage of them going versus not going? I'll give them 65% going. I'll go last. Fitty, fitty. Damn it. I knew that's <laughs> what you were going to say. I, I thought 60-40. Like, the three-week quarantine, I think that's going to deter a lot of players. Yeah. What's going to happen ultimately is the teams that it's the three-week isn't going to 
really hurt them, they're probably going to be a little more amped up to go. The floor, the Huberdos and the Ekblads and the Braden Points are like, yeah, we're going to make the playoffs even if I get stuck there. Let's go. Or the, you know, pull, uh, I'm trying to think Brady Kachuk of the centers. Oh, I'm not making the playoffs. I don't care. I can stay there for three weeks, but it's going to be the, the Red Wings of the world, the Penguins, the, you know, the teams on the playoff bubble. They're going to be like, yeah, no, we cannot lose our top players for even a week. We don't have a, the star power the teams above us do, and B, we can't afford to lose these points in the standings. No way Crosby doesn't go, though, right? Like no, he- no. They're, the players are going to go, given the choice. There's going to be very, very few opt-outs. Not that there will be none, and not that Leonard will be the only one, but there will be very few. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, like he, think of how many superstars are in the NHL and have been in the NHL for 10 years who haven't played a single Olympic game. So like Steven have- Stamkos has never played an Olympic game. That's crazy. He was drafted in 2009. The Detroit Red Wings, uh, still in the playoff spot as of right now, I believe. But uh, I think based on points percentage, they're just on the fringe. I think uh, Boston hasn't beat. Uh, yeah, that's the case. So Boston has just a little bit better points percentage. Damn it, Nashville. We had it on points percentage before that game. So we talked to Tony about this in the interview. What are our thoughts on where the Red Wings are headed? You know, they they won, what was it, five straight games before losing that one? Something like that. Yep. Um, There's a lot of those games where it's like, yeah, Alex Nedeljkovic stole that game. Or, wow, that game, neither team played great. But, uh, you know, Mo Sider wanted an overtime or whatever it was. And some of them, they looked legitimately good. This is kind of what you expect from a team where Detroit is in the rebuild. If not, I think maybe they're a year ahead because, you know, Sider and Raymond proved to be elite players. Um, But what does this spell for the rest of this season? Uh, what it's spelled already right in the mushy middle. Um, as I talked about in episode two ago, this team is still largely position by position, line by line, a below average team. Um, that is being propped up by five legitimate stars at this point. Taking one of those stars out of the equation really hurts this team. Any two or three of those stars have an off night. It's going to sewer this team. This team will not get enough performances from the depth players to get wins. Um, so the team's going to ride the stars now unlike previous years, those stars are good enough to, you know, do it. So you're going to have wins, you're going to have losses and you're going to get stuck in that mushy middle, which is perfectly fine with me. Cause if we're still contending for a playoff spot in February or March, that's a massively successful season from an on ice standpoint, uh, that should help give the young guys on this team a ton of confidence. Does it hurt the draft? Yeah, it does, but you can't. Can't mm-hmm. not like think of it any other way. So I I think we're oh, two months into the season. They are what they are. I, I don't think we've seen too many illusions here. Could they could their record be flipped right now and they're eleven and thirteen? Yeah, that probably feels like it would be a little more accurate just because Nadelkovich has stole some games and the top line has scored their way out of some bigger problems, but that's that's true of a lot of teams in this league. And the teams that have those similar problems are also stuck in the mushy middle. And that's who they're going to be competing for the final playoff spots with. I understand there's a risk to getting stuck in that mushy middle. And that's where Eisman's job is going to be. He won't find it hard. You know, Eisman would ha- will have projected this from the moment he took the Red Wings job. This is kind of part of the process. And this is where teams make mistakes and kind of bury themselves for and they reset the the rebuild short term gain for for long term pain. 
I think there is a balance to be struck though. Like we've talked about this concept a lot and I think this year is a true demonstration of it. Winning does wonders for a team, even if it's not enough to like compete for a cup. Look at what it's done for Larkin. Look what it's done for Bertuzzi. Look what it's doing for Raymond. Um, I would say the same for Sider, but Sider does have a little bit of a drag on him in terms of defensive partners. So I, I think once you get him a better partner consistently on the left side, that'll look much better for him as well. Simon Edvinson. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I think this team, you you talked about it and we've mentioned it before. I think they're going to regress a little bit. I think there's a, a big hot streak. I think they're super energized at home and that'll continue all season. But on the road, that kind of tempers a bit. Um, you know, the more games they miss from players like Bertuzzi, it's going to suck if they got to avoid any of those big injuries. I do think they're going to fall outside of a playoff spot. My prediction is still that they're not like the first team outside of it, but I think they'll be higher than where not, where I initially predicted them at the start of the season. Um, yeah, seventh. I don't forget. Oh, hey, look, I've been right every other year about the Red Wings. I'm happy to be wrong this year. <laughs> um, and that's that's fine. I'm I I don't give a shit about the draft lottery. You can't you can't lose more than the Red Wings did. I think the Red Wings did the absolute maximum amount of losing that you could do without becoming the Buffalo Saber Buffalo Sabers. Um, but yeah, I, I think the biggest takeaway for me. Yeah, they probably won't make the playoffs. They could keep it, make it interesting, which would be exciting as hell, and I'm all for it. And I'm not the kind of person who says no, like you know, bench the players or, or intentionally tank. No, do what makes the most sense at the trade deadline. Of course, take the big offer if it comes in. Of course, but the players are going to do what they do. The big takeaway for me, though, this rebuild is very obviously accelerated now. This rebuild is very obviously moved up by one year, if not more. I think the Red Wings by next year depending on what they do, could be a, a playoff competitor. They're a playoff competitor now. No, but like more seriously, where like we have this conversation now and we're expecting them to oh, be okay. in the mix. I got you. I thought when you were leading that up there, I thought you were going to Pierre Dorian that up. But uh, a rebuild is over. We here yep. declared it on this day, December yep. 8th. Congrats to the Detroit Red Wings on their impending 15-game winning streak. Yeah. Um. No, yeah, one thing, too, you got to be careful with is there's nothing wrong with the mushy middle until you get stuck in the mushy middle for many years in a row. Because the Red Wings weren't going to jump from worst to first. No, it's not you how gotta, it You got to climb your way up the ladder. So they'll probably finish between 15 and 20 in the standings this year, and that's fine. Then the hope is the following year they finish higher than that. Like, some teams climb the ladder. They go from worst to first and like, three, four years. Some teams, it takes six, seven, eight years. As long as you're trending upwards, everybody's happy. And then you tinker with the roster as you need, and you determine what year is the right year to start buying. Obviously not this year. And then you run with it from there. So yeah, Iserman, I'm sure he's well aware of what this team actually is and what their actual timeline is, because the rebuild doesn't end when you make the playoffs. Nobody's be like, oh my God, we're going to put all this work just to get bounced in the first round. You think Leaf fans enjoy that? No. <laughs> they kind of do. <laughs> in like a, a sick, sick, twisted kind of way. Yeah. You know how people accuse us of, for a while, they're like, you like when the Red Wings are bad, so you have a reason to complain. And we're like, no, you have no idea how badly we want this team to be good again. I think that actually exists in Leafs land. I think there are some people who thrive because that's all they've lived with. So it's all they know. <laughs> Steve built a career on melting down. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Steve. Um, but yeah, so it's 
they are where they are. They, we all knew they would take the step up to the mushy middle at some point. It just came, I think, a year earlier than most of us thought it would. Yeah, that's exactly it. Your prediction, Evan, on where they end up. I think Stanley Cup. Yeah, Stanley Cup. That's, That's even more radical than Evan saying, I think. <laughs> um, there's still the hardest hockey is still yet to be played yeah. for this team. Um, so, you know, they got out to a great start, better than I think any of us could have expected them to have been. Um, I don't think they make the playoffs, but I think they'll be right there. They'll make it interesting down the stretch. I hope so, and I genuinely do cheer for that. Like, I, I don't want myself to be right that they come. Well, it was seventh in, in the division. I hope that's wrong, and I think they have all the tools to to make me look real dumb in the end. You can cheer for the team, but also have an, a prediction or an expectation of where you think they'll finish. Yeah, it's a tough concept for some, <laughs> um, but I just think that there's too many shaky pillars this year. You know, look at how the team changes when Bertuzzi's not in the lineup. If Nedeljkovic has a bad game, then that likely spells trouble because the defense isn't that great. Um, and there's also, you know, going into next year, it's relevant now, but going into next year, that 2C role needs to be filled. And that's going to be really interesting. We're going to have to see Steve Eisman work in a way where we haven't expected him, like had the expectation for him uh, in before, because if they have a shitty draft pick, and by shitty, I mean like 12 to 15, which is still good. Um, hey, 12th overall last year is playing for the Blue Jackets right now. Yeah. 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 That's true. If that pick isn't high enough where they can get a first line or second line center who can play within the next couple of years, then Eisman's going to have to do something to get a true one or two C. And it's going to have to be a sign. It's going to have to be a trade. One of the two, right? The 12. 12- the outside top 10 picks is basically where you have to hit. Yeah. Yeah. You got to find That's a it. cylinder. Yeah. It ha- you have to hit because then your job is, your job's only going to get more difficult because you don't Rutger have the luxury. Rory. Is he going to go there or is he climbing too much right now? He's falling right now. Oh, okay. Brad Lambert. Brad Lambert's an option. But project picks, how long do those take? I don't think Brad Lambert's in project pick territory, but. Still. He's also a late bird, though. Yeah, we'll see what's to come. Want to know what you all, uh, what you guys think about the Red Wings? Whether the playoffs are still a realistic opportunity? At the very least, it's been a fun ride so far. Um, okay, anything else here that we want to chat about before? Oh, uh, Trevor Zegras! Holy shit, that play—the first ever Michigan assist. I do like the NHL paying their respects to Pavel Datsuk, though, because he did that. Datsuk walked so Trevor Zegers could run. He did that (laughs) That multiple times. We watched Datsuk do that multiple times, and it's just that no one ever finished it in front, which isn't on him. But uh, Trevor Zegers is, I think, probably first attempt. Man, I can't believe Justin Alplicator didn't finish that. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Alplicator was the only one who came close. (laughs) (laughs) That dude just lived to be a backboard in front of the net. Am I imagining this, or did someone flip the puck off the glass once to go in front of the net? On purpose? Yeah. I think you're imagining that. Yeah, well, it seems it seems real with Datsuk. If anyone has a clip out there, Ice Hockey Gifts. It, or, maybe uh, it did. I don't know. I remember there there was uh, there's a video of a of the goal, but there's a rumor that once, um, was it Brett Hall and Rick Zombo had a bet when he was on the Blues 
Rick Zomba. I just remember this because it was the most ridiculous. Is that a real person? Yeah, that's from that list. <laughs> Sleeve <What>? McDykel. <laughs> Bobson Dugnut was the was the other guy on the line. Um, oh, but yeah. no, the story was they had a a bet that Brett. So Brett obviously bet that he could. Zombo bet that he couldn't. Fire one over the net, hit the glass, and have it bounce off the goalie's back and go in the net. Then it happened. Like Brett Hall scored that goal, but. Nobody could ever confirm if the bet was in fact real or if they just made that up after the fact because it happened. Uh, Rick Zombo played uh, with the Wings from '86 to '92. I feel like you should have known that. Uh, I probably should have. I yeah, I can't know everything, you know. <laughs> Rick Zombo, that's a great name, though. That is a yeah. that is up there with Zarly Zalapsky. Zalapsky's awesome. Oh, actually, it was '84 where he played his first game with Detroit. Oh, I'm a huge asshole, huh? Yeah, well, it was only close to a decade. How could he possibly remember him? Last because he stopped playing with them before I was born. Doesn't matter. <laughs> nothing. You've heard of Gordy Howe. Nothing happened before your birth date. That is basically fact. Thank you for acknowledging that. I meant like generally everyone's birthday. Oh, I thought you meant mine specifically. Okay, sure. Okay, and next you're going to Do I even me- exist then? <laughs> How old am I? Unfortunately, Brad, painfully you do. Damn. Uh, for those watching on YouTube... We get a lot of um, questions about uh, the thing in the middle here. And <laughs> someone was like, I spent all episode trying to figure out what that is. It's Gordy Howe's signature carved out in wood, which is really awesome. So thank you, Don, for that. Uh, on the right in front of Brad here are three signed Red Wings pucks, one Lucas Raymond, one Moritz Sider, and one Alex Nedeljkovic. And those will be going randomly to um, three different Patreon supporters. So if you support us on Patreon, that's a little bonus for you. Uh, patreon.com slash podcast if you want to uh, support the show and join in on the fun and get random giveaways and stuff like this. Did you know we had those? I knew we had them because I saw them. No. i here the whole time. Be honest. Did you guys notice the uh, Santa hats on the Canon? Mac- I did. Yes. You did before someone tweeted it? Yes. Before Arjun tweeted it last episode? I noticed it last episode. Good for you. Yep. I told Mel, I was like, I don't even think the guys noticed. She worked really hard on that. She was very proud. Nope, I noticed. Yeah. Slowly Christmasifying the studio. How, how excited is Mel that the team you cover is red and white? Oh, it works well. <laughs> yeah. You know, the Red Wings are good when Mel has been saying, she's very nice, like way too nice. She, is, she always says things like, how's the episode? Like, how's that interview? And I'm like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> sitting with you guys for two for two straight hours <laughs> don't talk um and she always asks but now it's like hey the red wings are winning a lot huh i was like i know right it's kind of wild she had to sit through however many years of despair too many too many things have changed um trevor zegris is in the calder race very firmly and i just want to say there's nothing to be mad at if you're a Red Wings fan. I still think Lucas Raymond is by far and away the leader. There's a lot of hockey to play, and it's just fun to watch that kid do things on the ice that most other people can't even dream of. The NHL needs more players like Trevor Zegers that are do. just fun. Yeah. Try stuff. Get creative. Win with skill. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. There's some kind of magic that happens in a player's rookie year, though, where they have they almost have the license and like confidence to do that kind of stuff. And then after that first year, when teams game plan against it, when teams have a little bit more tape, a lot of that space goes away oh, and they almost have to win it back. Do you it, think Trevor Zegers is ever taking a breath behind the net no. with the puck ever again? <laughs> no. No. I would be livid, livid if I was a defenseman on the ice and Trevor Zegers did that to me. If I'm in the corner 
and I lose position on Zegers and he gets put in the net before I can get there. I'm throwing my stick like a javelin. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm breaking my stick off the back of his legs, taking the penalty if I need to, but zero chance I'm ending up on that highlight reel again. <laughs> it's funny, though. Like, that's what you want. Like, you want the, not the don't nobody break their stick over Zegers's legs, please. But you want to see Zegers do stuff from behind the net like that to make the teams respect it. And then that frees up space in front of the net. And it's just like it's good. You want more ways for the game to be exciting, and you want more ways for offense to be generated. So it's cool. It's fun to watch. Raymond Insider is still leading the Calder race. And it opens up more opportunities behind the net. Like now if he goes for a wraparound, the goalie might be a little more upright, yep. a little more space along the ice. Him and his, him and Milano could get creative. Did you ever see that highlight on uh, Instagram or YouTube or wherever it was of the two kids the one faked the michigan left the puck and then the other kid came in and wrapped it around the other side yeah they need to do that next. that was cool they need to do that next who was it that larkin tried the wraparound like 500 mile an hour wraparound on twice was it craig anderson craig anderson yeah and craig anderson got wise to it but he scored on because he scored on the first two yeah <laughs> and then eventually craig anderson was like all right kid no because the first one is it was beautiful i still remember it larkin beat him on the 500 mile an hour wraparound. Mm-hmm. So the next time Larkin came down that same way before Larkin even got to the goal line, Craig Anderson was halfway across the net. So Larkin just ripped it short side. Yeah. And then Anderson's like, well, shit. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember now. I'm still thinking about all the shit I'm going to take for not knowing Rick Zombo's name. Nah. If I'm being honest, if 80% of the people listening right now know who Rick Zombo is, I'll be legitimately surprised. Do you think Ken was probably yelling? Good chance. Yeah. And I just, and <laughs> although to be fair, the story I was telling was when he was on the blues, not when he was on the Red Wings. And I deserve it. I do deserve it. Uh, anyways, let's jump into overtime here. Um, overtime on this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporters uh, who get cool things like those signed uh, Red Wings pucks, who get cool things like jersey giveaways and t shirt giveaways and things like that. Um, Patreon.com slash Winged Wheel podcast if you want to be incredible and support the show. Okay, a few questions here that we're going to take. Babe Landiscog says, what are the best wholesome chirps? For example, that guy puts ketchup on his hot dog on his hot dog while in Chicago. Or he uses Bumble instead of Tinder. That guy is a cat person, et cetera, et cetera. My favorite chirp all time that was directed at me, because obviously, as Ryan has pointed out several times, I'm actually four foot three, <laughs> is some guy, uh, just like six foot three, six foot four guy, lined up next to me on the draw, just looked over and went, Where's the rest of you? <laughs> I laughed so hard. <laughs> I think I think someone who's just like average height making fun of someone who's like, I'm not that much taller than you. I'm like, what, like two feet, three feet taller than you at most? Definitely. But in all honesty, like I'm average height. So when I make those jokes, it's like, you know, it's harmless. But when a tall person <laughs> says that, you're just like, okay, well, now that's just mean, right? <laughs> we didn't have to do all that. <laughs> Uh, there was a little run of uh, posters in the NHL where they were like, this player hates puppies or something like that. Oh, it was yeah. very innocent, but it was very funny. Favorite sign I've ever seen at a sporting event ever. Just Google it if you can. It's just, it was at a Giants, uh, San Francisco Giants baseball game when they had Hunter Pence. Someone just held the sign, Hunter Pence is Marv from Home Alone. And they had the two <laughs> pictures. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh. funny. Um, oh. Another great one. Uh, saw the Bills game against the Patriots. It just was a giant sign that said Tom Brady sits when he pees. That yeah, those ones are fun. <laughs> classic. I bet he does. He definitely does. And you know what? 
That's the TB12 method, baby. <laughs> this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast is brought to you by Concussion Water. <laughs> it's not. It's For legal reasons, it's not. Uh, Jeremy Dahl. <laughs> any luck on that hot tub podcast? Uh, no. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> Did you drain the water? Oh, yeah, the hot tub right now. Whew. It is crystal clear. What, ew, why wasn't it before? <laughs> I mean, well, the water was unanswered. Well, the water was at the end of its life, and now it is at the beginning. Um, <laughs> should we be concerned that Larkin and Raymond seem to have cooled a bit, or is it because Bertuzzi is out? I said game one, expect some cold streaks from, at the very least, Lucas Raymond this year, because he is a rookie who's never played more than 40 games for one team in a season. It's to be expected. <sighs> It's to be expected. Bertuzzi does factor into it. Teams Bertuzzi are gonna, was not great the last like six, seven games before he went out. Teams are going to play harder against him. They're going to get tough matchups, right? Like, you know, Larkin's line isn't going to go I, go out and play against the other team's fourth line schlubs. They're going to like they played against McDavid when they played Edmonton. That's a tough assignment. Doesn't matter how good Lucas Raymond is. You're not going to be scoring a lot of points that game. So, yeah, not concerned. Trevor Zegras started the season slow. He'll have another slow streak. Moritz Sider is going to have slow streaks. It, it's it's going to happen across the board unless you're <clears throat> McDavid, Crosby, Ovechkin, etc. What are you giggling at? Yes. Uh, Terry Driver of uh, the number 69, Crying Ryan, Hannah, Banana Slam, a Jamma Thong, and Brad Crisco, Breast Enhancement Foundation, says... Uh, <laughs> I don't know the story behind that, but I'm on board. It's Keeps the name keeps growing. Um, mentions that Zadina goes through gear like Evan goes through golf clubs. And you tweeted about this, and I think you're an insane person for caring or noticing, but talk a little bit about Zadina's gear changes. It's absurd. So most players will tinker with maybe two, maximum three sticks. They'll generally do it in practice, and they and when they change, they've it's because, oh, yeah, I've been playing with this thing in practice for three weeks and I really like it. I'm going to it. Um, same thing. Skates even more so. Like, there are guys, it doesn't matter how good the latest and greatest in technology is, they'll wear the same skates until they literally fall apart on the ice just because breaking in skates sucks. And, you know, gloves are not as big a deal, but still one of the things people are picky about. Zadina changes. Like, he's on his, like, from what I, from my rough count, his seventh stick in the last two and a half seasons i would be too if i was mental if i wasn't scoring i'd be changing the sticks every game but like Same. i'd use a wiffle ball wiffle ball bat floor ball no floor ball stick you want to use one of those no. sure okay <laughs> um but yeah and then he's he just switched up his skates like this this is a man who is mentally broken right now and is trying everything to get it going but i think it might be having the opposite effect like while cider's first game with his new skates he's like i got new skates and i scored an overtime winner we (laughs) but cider this could be one of those ones cider was wearing them in practice for god knows how long and then he's like all right they're broken and time to switch right like zadina switches a lot he's even switched from the res tech stuff on a stick to now he's back to taping his stick and he's been on and off that and i've again i don't know why i know these things he's jumped back and forth between black tape and white tape a ton like he just doesn't this guy's disordered evan he's got a problem yes i was gonna say are you talking about me or zadina but the answer is yes either way (laughs) the answer is yes but no so because it's not like to any like idiot 
hockey player like us, we can tune our gear, but we're not going to be anywhere near the level of in tune with our with the feel of our gear and the touch of our gear like an NHL player would. Oh, I said gear. What's that's not? There's nothing on that word. Gear. Well, first of all, yes, there is. Second of all, that's not what what I was talking about. Steroids in the gym. What are you talking about? Anyways, um. But yeah, it makes a difference to a guys at that skill level who are that good, who will notice the little differences. So yeah, it's crazy the amount he changes this stuff up. You want to know my hot take? Doesn't matter. I can I can tell you objectively you're wrong. I think you are. It ob- doesn't matter that he's doing it or that the yeah. changes just don't matter. It's all in his head. Yeah. Uh, yes, that's both, true. But right, like. It's a sign of desperation, I think, which is not bad. It's not bad. Like, if you're not doing something, change it up. Yeah, try anything. But like going from res tech to tape, that's going to change the release off your blade. Changing a stick with different kick points, that's going to change the release off your stick. There's a reason sticks have different kick points. It changes it. Maybe I couldn't shoot anyways. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I know, I know you do, the actual answer to this, and you're not going to actually pick. But just just because I'm going to try to poke the bear here, you could pick Sedina's stick and skates and whatever else you care about, but mostly a stick. What stick do you pick for him? What kick point? What blade style? What? How you tape it? You can nerd out here. Zadina, Zadina's on the right tape job right now. White heel to toe, full blade cut around the toe. It's perfect. It's art. You should never change that. Every player should use it. Zadina is an interesting one because he's a forward and you traditionally want low to mid kick points for forwards, but he doesn't have a ton of that quick movement. He leans into his shots way more than your average forward does. So he's, he's more a power shooter. So he needs something with a high kick point and a, a softer blade. Cause he is a really good puck handler. So if I had to cherry pick one stick on the market for him right now, CCM super tax AS4 pro that is the perfect stick for him right now and it's fortunately not what he's using at the moment but has he used it before he's used the tax line before but they've kind of changed the tax line it used to have a super stiff blade which for puck handling isn't ideal um, but they changed it this year where it does have a softer blade so now it makes more sense for him all right philip if you're listening that's brad's recommendation and if you if it doesn't work for you, and this you isn't can, my bias, I use a Bauer and my backup is a Warrior. So you can two hand Brad actually wherever. We don't care. Yeah. It's only really going to improve him. So it's a win win for the fans. Either Sedina scores or we get to watch Brad in pain. Hell yeah. Well, on that note, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. We'll be back with you on Sunday. Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in. Thank you to our name level sponsors on Patreon. Uh, Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels, on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation. Kyle Kragitz, uh, Nick Perks, Taylor Tagel, Matthew M. Rice, Brandon M., Carl Brutana Nanaluski, Chimmy, Citizen High Five, CJ Sully, Clayton Van Dyken, Craig Kibble, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Give Blood Fight Probert, Greech, Hanali, Hassam Al Qasem, Jay Gollum, Jacob Turner, Jake Kiefer, Justin and the Angry Mob, Kalen Wood, Kanye the Philosopher, King Tone, Kyle Hashman, Matt McKay, R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Stacey Lynn, Zach Spring, Andrew Bohan, Sam Bankson, Antonio Gracias, Babe Landiscog, Ben Barron, Colorado 14ers, Connor Leighton, Dave W., Eric Sinkowski, Evans Bingo Card. He's here and he's perfect. 
James Laporte, Jeremy Brocker, John Evans, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Logan Stahl, Matt Keeler, Matt S., um, Max $1 million, Michael Alsante, Raymond's Deke, Insider, <laughs> Revy DeLuca, Terry Actual, Trevor Pevivar, Zach Handyside, and Zach McCann, a driving range superstar. Thank you all so much. We'll see you guys on the weekend. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.